You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Well, welcome into another episode of Freema. I am John Kurtz, uh, joined as always by Derek Young and Cole Manbeck as we break down a nice little casual 29-point win for K-State over Troy, a team that have won 12 straight games as the Wildcats double up the spread. Uh, cover with ease in the end, but it was not an easy game uh, per se for K-State. They got pushed a little bit here, and we're going to talk about that and start to get ready for Mizzou. A big one coming up this week in Columbia. And if you are headed there, like uh, I know Cole and I are, of course, Derek will be there, but Cole and I will be there uh, toughing it out as fans. And uh, in that stadium, my first trip to Faroe Field since 2004, it would be smart to bring some 360 vodka or some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon with you from our friends at Holiday Distillery. Uh, make sure you've got that ready to go so that you can tailgate your you know what off. Another early one. So, you know, whether it's Bloody Mary's or whatever it might be, if you're just going to go straight. Shots of Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon, that's okay too. Whatever your strategy is uh, to get liquored up and ready to go for the game, make sure that you do it with our friends at Holiday Distillery who are great K-State folks who support the pod, so please support them. Uh, to me, the the takeaway from this game, I think, I mean, there are, there are a lot of things, and I have concerns, and I would just set the table by saying, like, when we get to some of those concerns, it's going to be fairly nitpicky here because, again, Regardless of what Derek said about Troy, this this is still a team with with a pulse and uh, a solid team that have won 12 straight games. And I saw some of the fan reaction from Troy fans on Twitter after the game. I was like, man, we haven't gotten thumped like that in a long time. Uh, so that's that. it's good to be sitting here and like nitpicking some things and worried about some things coming out of a game like that. But I think to me, the the big takeaway is like, hey, this this turned out to be a pretty, pretty opportune test for K-State to have right here. Not just being pushed down or uh, only up 14 to 10 late in the first half, having to get that Phillip Brooks touchdown right before the half, which was huge, but being pushed in a way that will be similar to what they're about to see next week with Mizzou, which is going to be like a pretty salty front set. Uh, Troy had a, a pretty good defensive line that provided K-State some real problems there. And they had to, they had to get a little creative to get around that and figure things out offensively. And at the end of the day, you sit here saying, man, they've scored almost 90 points through the first two weeks. The defense still appears ahead of schedule. And um, with some things to work on going into Mizzou, I think you got to feel overall pretty good about, about where things sit right now. Yeah, I would say the defense is ahead of schedule. There's parts of the offense that are, you know, where you thought might be a little further along at this point. But at the end of the day, you played an FCS team that will probably be in the FCS playoffs. You played a group of five team that should cruise to a bowl game. And you won those two contests by a combined score of 87 to 13. So um, all in all, I think there was something to be happy about. And like you said, and Chris Kleiman iterated after the game, I think he told his team this. We heard it from the players. Like it was good for them to get punched in the mouth at least once before the Missouri game. And obviously that happened in the second quarter against Troy. So to be able to take a punch before a game comes where you're expected to take multiple punches – and then get off the mat and, and still cruise to a 29-point win, I think that says a lot about where this team is at right now. And in general, it probably says a lot about where this team is at, where they've beaten two teams of this caliber. Yeah, they're, they're not, you know, Texas, Texas Tech 
or anything of that nature. But these are two teams where in the past, if you get punched in the mouth, maybe it becomes a little bit of a dogfight, right? I think we've seen that before. So I, I, I take solace in the fact that they took a punch. They played two solid teams, I would say, and cruised uh, with relative ease, even though it probably never looked as pretty as some of the games did at the latter half of last season. 14 and a half point favorites. You double the number on the spread and win the game by 29. And, you know, the defense once again flashed and showed a lot of things that I don't think we expected right out of the gate to start the season. That's my biggest takeaway from the game is just how good I feel about this defense moving forward and how many dudes they have, especially in the secondary and on that defensive line and then Austin Moore at linebacker. So, yeah, you beat the, the defending Sunbelt champs, a team picked to win the Sunbelt Conference in the preseason poll. Uh, team receiving votes in the top 25 poll and a top 10 defense last year that's probably going to be probably a top 25 top 30 defense this season you you win the game handily so there's a lot of reasons to feel good about that because you feel like you might have played offensively a maybe b minus c plus type of game especially up front on the offensive line and i think we all have a lot of trust that they'll get that corrected the thing that john you and i said on the patreon post game show when we went live is you know on the offensive line front we'll dive more into that in a few minutes is they've done it with these guys before they've had success with them albeit they're missing christian duffy right now but they should get him back potentially this weekend against missouri so the fact that they've done it with this group of guys they're going to get this thing corrected and they're going to play better and and uh i think they're going to be just fine on the offensive side of the football especially as they get keegan johnson more mixed into the offense it's going to be a hard offense to defend Wait, did, you, did I just hear you downgrade from I thought we were like B, B plus after the game. Did you downgrade them to a C plus, B minus? That was that was on the offense. I thought we did a B plus for the overall team performance because I'm giving the defense a uh, a solid A uh, for their performance in that game. But the, the offense, I would say, was more of a B minus type of performance. Maybe D.Y. disagrees. I, I know. Well, I'm just saying I appreciate this uh, Professor Rambeck segment that we're all sudden constituting here. So I hope that continues moving forward. You get your pen in your hand as well. I, mean, I think I, I think I had you in classic. You know, geez, it'd be over a decade ago now. Now I feel. I've got my pen and paper right here, Dy. You know. Oh, uh, uh, you're giving me PTSD. Uh, no, I would say defense A. Maybe A plus that they didn't give up the one rushing explosive, right? So there was one missed run fit probably in two weeks. So defense A, offense in general, probably B ish and a little bit lower for the offensive line if we want to target that position specifically. And and I know we will. You know, an exercise that I'm not really always comfortable doing is kind of running down one player. But all I will say is, and I think Cole alluded to it a little bit earlier is that I think this starts to look a little bit better when you get a little bit more healthy at offensive tech. Yeah, it'll make a huge difference. It'll make a huge difference for sure. I mean, look, the, the defense is just, I mean, they've been outstanding. They're uh, 38 yards per game rushing that they've allowed their two games is best in the country. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's And my concern was about the defensive line, you know, and they've also been racking up some sacks. I saw Khalid Duke is like top 10 in the country right now in sacks. Again, early through two weeks. But I like a lot of what I'm seeing right there. And I I remember at the halftime, I was kind of like, you know, I feel decent about this. It's like Troy, you know, Troy had a receiver make two just insane one-handed grabs. And that basically led to all 10 of the points. I mean, one of those was a third down where the ball is just airmailed in case they did a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback. And he makes an Odell Beckham 
style one-handed grab to extend that drive that I believe turned into a field goal. And then, of course, the touchdown grab. They were pretty good coverage there and uh, just a, a one-handed catch in the end zone. I think now looking back on it at the end of the game, I was kind of waffling at halftime. Like, okay, is that the story or are there real struggles here in growing pains? I think it was like Troy made a couple insane plays and that led to their points. And outside of that, I mean, K-State just completely shut them down. Like the corners, not just the defensive line, man. I mean, Jacob Parrish was insane, like knocking down everything that was coming his way. Uh, Will Lee not only was doing pretty well in coverage, but we really saw the physicality that he brings in the run game. He was doing a great job crashing in uh, and wreaking havoc in the in the backfield there, uh, taking dudes down. Like, I just, you got to like a lot of what you see on defense. They they really pop like they've, they've got some dudes uh, on that side of the ball right now. Yeah, I thought Troy kind of made their plays right there, probably at an opportune time for them because that was right around some mistakes by Kansas State where, that they they let a few passes get into some of the pockets there with a the soft zone, then they make two really good catches. It's coming on the heels of a Will Howard Will Howard interception that he probably shouldn't have thrown, so they get the points off turnovers. So that was just a sequence where can't where kids they made their mistakes, and Troy capitalized off of it like a good team and a well coached team does. And at the end, you know, Kansas State, which is a little bit, I guess, a departure from what we've seen from a Chris Kleiman coached Kansas State team. They really, you know, put the foot on the pedal at the end of the first half when it could have been easy for them to kind of go into the locker room and just want to regroup. Instead, they push the ball downfield and you get a, you know, two older players, three older players just making a play that kind of puts Troy away for good, um, makes everyone rest easy on the touchdown pass to Phillip Brooks. Good throw from Will Howard, put it on him, hit him in stride. Phillip Brooks, great, great, good catch, uh, does the damage. Um, after he hauls it in, and then Jaden Jackson probably makes the most pivotal block that we've seen so far this season. So you had Kansas State a little bit on the ropes there at the end of the first half. Chris Kleiman trusts his team, and you had three older players step up and make a play. I don't think we can understate how big that touchdown was to Brooks right before the half because it, it feels a little too lane-ish, D.Y., if you're going in up 14-10 to 10 with them getting the ball to start the second half, right? I mean, the, the anxiety in the stadium. Wouldn't have been great. So getting up by 11, then getting that three and out right away to start the second half, and eventually the defense the defense just kept shutting them down. On the first four drives of the second half, Troy had four consecutive three and outs that put K-State's offense in very advantageous field position. We'll dive into that more in a little bit. The offense didn't really capitalize on a lot of that. But yeah, they had. I think Troy had 12 plays for 27 yards of offense in those first four series of the second half. They just they dominated them. It might have even been less than that. So... Uh, shout out to the K-State defense. Jacob Parrish was K-State's number one graded defender overall by by pro football focus. And Will Lee was K-State's second best defender, according to PFF as well. So those guys were great. And I thought it was interesting. Will Lee was the uh, the number one graded run defender for K-State, which makes sense. I mean, how many times we see him in the backfield making plays? He's starting to show, and we can dive into this later too, but he's starting to show guys some of that physicality that Julius Brents had, you know, and coming up and run support too. Yeah, I would say Willie, Jacob Parrish, Austin Moore, Desmond Purnell, and then basically every defensive end uh, really stood out to me in yeah. that game. Yeah, the defensive end group is is very encouraging right now. Malak had a sack, right? Mock got a he got the strip sack at the end of the first half, uh, and then even Toby, like Toby, got his moment there at the end of the game too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if Brendan Mott maybe. Ha- 
I don't know if you can look at the stat sheet and tell what he did. He was the defensive end of the game in week one. But in week two, I also thought that the the splashes might have been from Khalid Duke and Nate Matlack, but Brendan Mott might have been the most consistently disruptive of the According to Pro Football Focus, D.Y., he had the number two pass rush grade on the team behind Will Lee, and Khalid Duke was number three. So that shows you. I mean, how many times that you look at the QB hurries? I mean, Mott had to have like three or four where he, he might have been responsible for Gunnar Watson not being the same at quarterback for Troy in the second half because he drilled him a few times. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. it. He, he took a lot of hits. Like, I, I think, you know, that there was a part of that too where like, and that's what should happen in a game like that, right? As the K-State kind of wears down the opponent because you have more depth, more depth of talent. And eventually, yeah, all the shots that K-State was getting on the, the QB seemed to really affect things with their offense in the second half to the point that they, they wound up benching him eventually. Yeah, and they kind of, I wouldn't say unleashed a new package. It's probably something that they just decided to go with in that game or they've been working on, but it's intriguing because what else can they do with it, right? When you put Khalid Duke and Toby Osunzami together side by side on the same side of the uh, line of scrimmage, I think you got to pick your poison a little bit there if you're an offensive line. Well, I, I want to touch real quick a little bit more on what you guys were saying about Chris Kleiman at the end of the first half, because I, I did find it interesting. Like he got asked about deciding to basically put the pedal to the floor there at the end of the first half and try to go. I, I thought based on what we know about Kleiman, and I can remember, especially like 2019, a couple of times being very frustrated with him being really conservative in situations like that. That was encouraging for me to see for just the development of him as a head coach to like realize the, the importance of that situation and combine that with the trust that he has now in Will Howard running the offense and Colin Klein calling the offense. Like it just totally different attitude than where this was with like, uh, and it's nothing against Skylar Thompson, but like the year, like 2019 Skylar Thompson, Courtney Messingham, like those type of situations, they just were not aggressive like that. And he basically said in a press conference, like, Hey, I realized like, this is, we don't have any momentum. We need to find a way to create some momentum before the end of the half. And I'm sure in the back of your mind, you're thinking like field goal probably, but it, it turns into a touchdown because you are willing to put your trust into Will Howard throwing the ball down the field, even after a first half where he threw a pretty bad interception in the end zone into double coverage. So I just, I was encouraged by that sort of evolution that we saw there from, from climate, just even being willing to do that. And, and the offense paid it off, which Makes me think like they'll they'll be willing to do that in more situations down the road, which I think will be really important. Yeah, for me, it's three things. One is uh, trust, trust in your offensive coordinator, trust in your quarterback, your offensive line. You have an older team. I think that helps. Number two, I think it's just the yeah, as continued evolution as a head coach, understanding that this is kind of where the game is going. Uh, if you kind of look into the analytics and how things work out, it's probably more worth it to do this. And he's been willing to kind of you know, decipher and analyze those situations and, you know, change or adjust his approach based off of them. So he is looking into the data more and more as a head coach, uh, the longer he stays at Kansas state. And obviously that's a reassuring thing. And three, it probably just, uh, you know, a, a bit of a philosophy change that kind of ties into number two, but they want to be, they felt like when they self-assessed themselves last year, even during a big 12 championship run, that they were weaker than they need to be in the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. And that was something we heard from Chris Kleiman after the game. We literally heard that, I think, from all seven players that we talked to after the game as well. So you hear it from Chris Kleiman. It was, you know, harped all along. It sounds like throughout the offseason, even in training sessions with strength coach Truman Carroll, 
who kind of pounded into their heads as well. So this is a philosophy and an emphasis this year to, you know, they call it four over four, but those final four minutes of the first half and first four minutes of the second half are critical and important to this team that they want to emphasize week in and week out. I, I do want to note, I think he's really evolved since the 2021 season and on. Those first couple of years, he was more conservative. But you remember 2021, that game against OU in Manhattan, he went for like four or five different fourth downs. There was the West Virginia game in Manhattan. He went for a fourth and like five and hit hit Sammy Wheeler for a seam route on a dime from Skylar Thompson. He has been more willing to go for it. But to that point, John, what was really impressive about it is Will Howard got sacked on the first play of that drive to put him in a second and 18 with less than a minute left. And he called a timeout. Like how many coaches in college football just say, all right, well, we're in second and long now. We're just going to run the clock out. But the fact that he called a timeout and still had the trust they would get a first down eventually and then get down and score says a lot. I think the coach they're going up against this week and Eli Drinkowitz is, might be the most conservative coach in college football. He hasn't went for a fourth down yet. Yeah, which, which, doesn't, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he so he aggressively runs his mouth, right? He postures himself as this uber aggressive, like modern kind of coach. And then, yeah, I was shot. Bill Conley, who's a Missouri grad, by the way, uh, tweeted out yesterday all these situations like fourth and one, fourth and twos near midfield or in a plus territory where they haven't gone for it yet this year, which probably tells you what they think about their quarterback and their offense uh, is is a piece of that too. But anyway, sorry, Dave. No, I was just saying, and when Kleiman calls that timeout when it's second and long, um, he's you know harping, re-harping on that message to his locker room too. They see that, and it's like, okay, this this four over four thing is real. We're doing it this year. Yeah, crucial moment. Great development to see there uh, from Kleiman, and uh, love every bit of that. There was another major positive that occurred in the second half that I do want to touch on here in just a moment. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that I'm I'm rocking some. Some home field here. I've got the uh, K-State like baseball tee going on here, which I like a lot. Uh, tons of versatility. Homefieldapparel.com is where you can find this. They have a slew of K-State gear there with all sorts of different logos, all the old school retro logos, which is what is in right now that everybody is wearing. So get to homefieldapparel.com and check it out. They've got a huge selection with a couple of K-State drops here in the last three months. And you can search over 100 other teams if you would like to uh, to do a little searching around, find some other cool stuff. There are tons of awesome shirts there. And we've got uh, the promo code for you, 3mont23, if you want 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. It's a great place. Go get your gear. That's what I was rocking uh, at the game on Saturday. That's what I'm pretty much typically rocking when I'm going to a K-State game. So get stocked up. Look like us. What? What better endorsement could I give you than that? Just look like us. You could be wearing the same thing that we are, and you know how dashingly handsome we are if you watch this on YouTube. So homefieldapparel.com. DY, I saw that reaction, and I am offended, frankly. Uh, we'll take a break, come back with uh, another positive next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 Driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, Higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, 
you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I know one thing that was was a little curious, just the timing of it, but you go through the first half, the offense is is struggling a little bit, and I'm sitting there like talking to Cole, I'm like, man, this, you know, Cole and I's conversation was kind of like, this is a bummer. It looks like Keegan Johnson isn't going to be able to play again. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, second half, he's out there and he made an impact. I mean, limited and definitely seemed like a, a you know, pitch count sort of a situation there, but he winds up with three catches for 25 yards, almost had a touchdown, and looked very explosive and showcased some great hands. Like, it was even that catch that he almost scored on. It was, like, just the explosiveness out of, like, catching the ball and turning and spinning really fast to get upfield. Like, it just it looked different. Like, he's got a different level of explosiveness to him than I think what they have in the rest of the receiver core. So, positive that he got out there on the field. The explanation after the game was, that they were trying, they were thinking of working him in late in the first half, but they didn't want him to get going and then have to cool down and then come back out again because he has this soft tissue injury going on. So I guess like I can, I can understand that. Um, all in all, I'm just happy that he got out there, knocked a little bit of the rust off before he goes to Mizzou because I think he's just going to be such a key component of this of this offense. And 
and definitely to me flash the the potential that he has. Yeah, you kind of hit on all the elements that I would add. Like he is this receiver room, I think is solid without him, but they are a different room with him because he provides an element of an explosiveness and vertical threat that probably otherwise isn't there. Although Jaden Jackson's proving that he can go over the top a little bit. Yeah. So that's that's a nice development in the last two weeks if he can sustain that through the course of 12, 13, 14 games this year. And and that would be, you know, a big boost to that room in case, you know, something were to happen with Keegan Johnson, who has shown to be a little injury prone so far in his career. But I mean, kids say it's a lot better with Keegan Johnson without him. I think we all knew that, but we got to see it for ourselves on Saturday against Troy. And it, and, uh, it was pretty apparent, um, just at his three touches. I also would say, you know, the, I think they were trying to throttle him, you know, pitch count, so to speak. And it got to a point in the second quarter where it was like, okay, now it's time. Just like when they did with Uso Sayamalo the week before, okay, now it's time. But considering uh, Keegan Johnson's injury, I thought they probably made the right decision there to, you don't want to get a guy up, then get a guy down and get a, get him up again. I thought they wanted to be really careful with it. So that it is probably... Um, a smart thing to do. You want you you want him on the field against Missouri. He got his feet wet. This was best case scenario. He got in the second half, did his thing. So I liked it. You got to remember. I mean, Kiki Johnson saw 17 snaps. That was more than what Uso got the week before. So uh, I'm pretty reassured at this point. I think one of the most reassuring things is just watching how explosive he was in and out of breaks. Dy. I mean, he flashed the speed. It didn't look like the uh, the leg tightness that he had been battling had any sort of impact on him. And one thing to note is that 17 yard completion he nearly scored on, uh, which was the uh, second pass he caught in the game. That was against Reddy Stewart, who is arguably the best group of five corner in uh, the country. I mean, he graded as the number eight corner in the country, according to Pro Football Focus last season. He's the one that had the interception that Will Howard made the mistake on. He had a pick six the prior week against Stephen F. Austin. He's a heck of a corner, and Keegan made it look easy against him in and out of that break, and he just changes the dynamics of how you defend K-State. I mean, we saw what they were doing, Troy was, with Ben Sennett early on in that game and Ben Sennett ends up with five yards on what maybe two or three targets in the game I mean they were bracketing him doubling him a lot of the time uh they were able to load up to stop the run because without Keegan you don't have that vertical explosive threat as much now Jaden Jackson to your point he grades out as K-State's highest receiver according to PFF in the game four catches 77 yards I think you could argue maybe the one benefit of Keegan not coming out of the gate and playing a ton of snaps is they might have found another guy at receiver and Jaden Jackson, what we thought was maybe a, you know, three horse wide receiver room and RJ Garcia, Phillip Brooks and Keegan, they've got a fourth body that they maybe didn't have last season. You know, last year was Cade Warner, Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks. They might have found that fourth guy with Jaden here because he has stepped up back to back weeks two touchdown grabs and uh, that vertical pass on the scene route uh, showed some really nice hands. So that's, that's certainly something to be encouraged. We know the pedigrees there, the recruiting pedigree. I mean, Jaden Jackson was a high-profile recruit that went to Ole Miss, didn't pan out, transferred here, and, and maybe things are clicking now. And that just opens up things even more for this offense. So, you know, but you circle back to Keegan, it's just there There was a route that he ran. I, I specifically watched him because they didn't have safety help over the top. So I was looking at him to see if they went vertical to him. And it was actually the 40-yard pass they went to Jaden Jackson on down the middle. But I watched Keegan from the start, and he burnt his guy from the snap and would have been open, too, across the middle. So... Just a, a lot of things to be encouraged about what we saw there in the second half. And we're not even talking about Phillip Brooks, who really carried the offense, uh, had the had the huge play, obviously, before halftime. But in the first half, it seemed like they were really going to him a lot. And uh, 
I think a couple things were happening, and Derek, I'll be curious your opinion on this because of how well you see the game. But uh, I mean, one, and I heard Will Howard talk about this after the game. He said you could hear like every time they got up to the line of scrimmage, they were always like, "Look at like sin it," you know. They were always pointing out Ben Sinnott, like, "Watch this guy! Don't let him get open." They they really concerted effort to keep him from hurting them. So it was taking him away. Other guys were going to have to step up. They also have this great defensive line that was shutting down the run game. So K-State, almost by necessity, had to go to a lot of shorter stuff to Phillip Brooks to kind of uh, supplement the run game for a while there. And and Brooks did a, a really nice job. I mean, it, it kind of, I feel like he is what he is at this point. He is somebody that can really help you and and be steady in scenarios like that. And when they had to have it, they they got it from him, um, particularly in, in the first half there. And you nailed it. And another thing that would have helped to alleviate some of the things that Troy was doing, or right, Troy's you know attacking Ben Sennett and not letting him get, have his way the way that he did the, the week before and, and throughout the second half of last season, and they were able to stay up, stay up and take away that run game. The best way to to really mitigate some of that, what they are doing, is to throw over the top a little bit more. You know, they did it a couple times, and a couple times it really really worked, especially to Jaden Jackson, of course, and and maybe it would have been something that they could have gone to the well a little bit more. Keegan Johnson's 100% and playing start to finish as well. But And we'll go to this, and maybe this is a good, good time to get into it. But it's also tough to have a vertical game when you're not protecting Will Howard long enough. Like you have, To be able to go over the top, you have to protect for a little bit longer. And, and that's one of the issues as well in terms of how they were going to mitigate um, Troy playing up so much on the run and taking away Ben Sinnott because – one of the solutions is to really get a vertical passing game going. That's a little bit tougher when you're not protecting uh, your quarterback as well. Well, some of that, yes, comes with, I mean, one, obviously having Keegan Johnson in the game, which he wasn't playing in the first half, that that helps. Adding an element to your your vertical passing game, and yes, then the, the offensive line situation. So this maybe is the time. What's that? And maybe a willingness to do so as well if you don't have to go to it maybe you don't want to show it as much the week before Missouri so a good player perhaps that was that was actually we got a, that question after the game and in, in our patreon live chat which if you want to uh, get live instant reaction Cole and I have already done an hour uh, on the game taking live questions you can find that at patreon.com slash three ma uh, five bucks a month to sign up for that we've got all sorts of bonus content typically it's been like two to three extra episodes throughout the week we're doing the live chat after the game you can get some of Cole's uh, stab breakdowns, a little bit of inside info, Cole doing a little bit of writing, picking that pen back up, the aforementioned uh, pen, picking it back up. So patreon.com slash 3 if you want to uh, be a part of that. But we did get a question, D.Y., like someone was like, hey, are they are they being a little vanilla on offense on purpose? And I think that my initial reaction was like, I don't, I feel like some of that is we're stuck back in like the, the Bill Snyder mode of thinking where like Snyder was definitely famous for doing that. A part of that being that he was always playing pretty easy non-con schedules. Um, I don't know. I mean, they ran a, they had Treshawn Ward throwing the ball to Will Howard against SEMO. So like, I don't, Con Klein doesn't seem to be as much in that same vein, but maybe there is something to that. I don't, what's, what's your take? Not, 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 it's not like all across the board. I don't know. I don't think it's like a philosophy in general that dictates the calls that they are making um, the play calls, but I would say maybe the how I say it, the concepts within the play. Maybe they're not having those be as complex as they could, such as if you know maybe you're 
your blocking principles and, and concepts are a little bit more basic than otherwise they would be with a game on the line or, or a really competitive game with an opponent that you feel like can challenge you from start to finish. Um, your route combinations, maybe you're hiding your stuff, your best stuff, and still just doing a basic route tree. So the play call at large, I don't think they're holding back but maybe the the little things within those play calls, I think, perhaps are a bit more basic at least in the, these first two games. On our our Patreon Discord channel, Dy after the game, Tate uh, he had an observation that, and I don't, I don't want to quote Tate on this, but he thought maybe our offensive line blocking principles, the way that we were scheming it up, was maybe a little bit more conservative in Manila, um, and the way that they went about it. Did you get any sort of sense of that? That seems hard to figure out with offensive linemen and the creativity you can do up front, but we know this is a unique system Connor Riley runs. It's a, it's a quality system. So what were your thoughts on, on what they were doing up front from that? They definitely can be more creative, but, and I, it's kind of what I said in the first thing, like the, the, the schemes and concepts within the play call, I think can be basic at times, but you really, and, and I'm not going to pretend to be, it. I think you really have to be, an offensive line expert to kind of maybe detect that. And and that's why I have KSU underscore fan on our site doing all that stuff. But, um, and I'm sure he'll be able to explain it even more maybe later in the week when he does a lot of his uh, gifts that he puts on the side and kind of, you know, analyzes play by play in, in terms of what worked and what didn't. Um, it's more of a, what I'd say, I, educated speculation on my front that, uh, on my part, that they are, not holding back in terms of play calls, like Kurt said. I mean, Treshawn Ward threw a touchdown pass to Will Howard already this season. I, I think it's more of like you're keeping stuff within those play calls a bit more basic so far. And, and they got to a point where, you know, speaking of play calls, they busted out like the Will Howard kind of loop around run, which we used to see Colin Klein do a lot. And that's a, that's a very like rudimentary uh, explanation of the, the play. But they had a couple like well-placed including on that drive before halftime, like, hey, let's just run Will. Like, because we're, we're struggling running the ball conventionally. We need to kind of do this to jumpstart things right now. And it worked well. I mean, the only thing I didn't like was, I think it was the 28 to 13 drive. He took a huge shot down by the, the goal line, which I didn't really love. That was, that was totally necessary, but. No, but I think that was more on Will for kind of going for those extra couple yards. So that's, that's yeah. a decision, I think, that your quarterback makes, but I mean, you're right. I mean, uh, they probably are a little basic right now, but they're still figuring it out as well. And the QB run game, I hope is not a staple every week, but it was certainly something that they felt like they had to kind of commit to a little bit in that third quarter. And ultimately it helped, but uh, yeah, I don't, I'm curious to how things shake out, you know, who's at right tackle going forward. Right. Cause I, I wonder, are they getting healthy enough to, to go a different way there because that can help obviously here's the thing you you kick out cooper bb to right tackle great solution he's an all-american he can play well just about anywhere you put him on the offensive line but you know what happens when you kick out cooper bb to right tackle you don't have my left guard then you don't run the ball as well so that's another that's another tool that you're without in the running game when cooper bb has to play right tackle yeah and i mean that clearly like look right, right tackle was a problem i mean I, we can't 
There's no other way to say it on Saturday. Like right tackle was a huge problem. It it completely killed one drive in particular. I believe it was one of those third quarter drives uh, when they got the ball inside the 45, three straight drives and finally punched it in. One of those, I mean, two plays out of the three that they ran. I mean, it just blew the thing up. Like you can't you can't survive like that, especially against what's going to be a good front seven and front four for uh, for Mizzou coming up. Christian Duffy has been hurt though. That that obviously hurts. John Pastor is a Pastor or Pastori? I always forget. Pastori. Pastori. John Pastori um, has been hurt as well, and it seems like they're they're both starting to get back now. Uh, and I, I think that will definitely help. That will allow you to keep Cooper Beebe inside if you can get one of those guys playing uh, solid on, on the right side of tackle. But I mean, you know, it is a concern to me. And I, I know I heard Will Howard say after the game that was one of the best defenses that he's played in his time at K-State. He gave a lot of credit to Troy. Um, I understand. I know that they have a, a really good defensive line. They've got athletes because of, you know, I mean, being located like in the South, you generally are going to be able to find more really good athletes up front like that. But the run game, until that final drive, it was nice to see that that last scoring drive that they had where they really just muscled their way down the field, and they finally did seem to get things going a little bit in the run game. It was pretty bad there for a while. Like, they just could not run the ball at all, and then combined with some protection issues, it's just, there's enough going on there that I'm thinking, like, man, this is, this is a concern. Like, it's enough for me to be labeled a legitimate concern, and I understand that health plays a factor in that right now, but they've got to get something figured out. It's it's been a little bit of a slow start, I would I would say for a group. And a part of this is we're not only grading on a conference championship scale, we're also grading on a like that was heralded as one of the strengths of the team in the offseason scale, right? So that that's why it, we're going to be nitpicky about this right now. Yeah, and and I would say you know there's a reason why Colin Klein got a little bit screen. He's, he's, he's went to the screen game, you know, a few times each game, I think to kind of slow down the pass rush even. So that's, that's part of it. And when Will Howard says, you know, that's one of the best teams I've ever faced. I'm not sure he necessarily means that from an athleticism or a personnel standpoint, although they're probably at the top of the group of five, at least on that side of the ball and with their front four. But I think, Maybe from a schematic in disguise standpoint, I think Troy does have an increased, you know, difficulty level to to kind of go up against as well. To to level set on that, guys. I mean, there was a Troy defense last year that was 24th in the country, allowing 3.6 yards per carry. They held seven of their opponents in 2022 to under three yards per carry in those games, and they held nine of their opponents to under four yards per game per carry in 2022. K State average 3.9 in the game but to your point john i mean here's a number that kind of blew me away but it makes sense the way we watch the game Treshawn ward's first 10 carries of the game he had that 20 yard run i think his second carry on his other nine out of his first 10 he rushed for eight yards on dj giddens first four runs of the game he had 27 yards on the ground on his next six carries he had seven yards on the ground uh, giddens and ward had 12 rushes that went for two yards or less combined including seven that went for no gain or negative yardage. And DY, this is from your expert analysis, which go check out KSO for some of this stuff. I mean, it's outstanding information in addition to all the other great information Drew, Jimmy, and and DY put out there in Mason. But uh, K-State had a 38% success rate on the ground in the second half, contrary to a 60% success rate in the first half, averaged 2.7 yards per rush in the game's final 30 minutes. So 
it was a struggle to get things going in the ground game. And uh, that last drive, they had a 70% success rate, according to DY and uh, the expert analysis on 10 rushes. So they were able to maybe wear Troy's defense down a little bit at that point. But man, there was a stretch where they could just not get anything going on the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's enough. I'm officially, to me, it's just flagged as a as a concern right now. It's That doesn't mean I'm panicking. Uh, I think they'll be able to figure it out. I think another thing to keep in mind is it it feels like feels like they start slow with the offensive line. That's been kind of a a hallmark, and they they do a really good job of figuring it out as the year goes along. Um, and I, I do like a lot of the depth that they have right now, but um, that's on paper, right? Like on paper, coming into the season, we felt really good about the depth that they have. I'm just. I'm, I'm very optimistic about where it will go long term. Connor Riley, I have a lot of faith in, and I think he's done an excellent job with with figuring these things out as as the year develops. And they have been playing a lot of bodies too, trying to just find answers. Like I think they found some answers at right tackle. May not have been the answer that you really wanted in the first two weeks, but you got an answer there. So that that is a a piece of it too. Um, I'll just uh, DY if you have one final thought here on the offensive line. That's kind of oh, that's my piece. Speaking my piece on the offensive line right now. I will say they, they, whether it's with different personnel or a kick in the butt to where they play a little bit better, um, they have to be better against Missouri because Missouri does provide basically the similar issues and challenges when it comes to a pass rush. And to me, Missouri is one of the best corners in all of the country, too, at Chris Abrams Street. Well, speaking of Mizzou, uh, we will get to the Tigers here in just a moment. Uh, they... Boy, they mowed down. They mowed down Middle Tennessee, twenty-three to uh, to nineteen on on Saturday. It was it was a great performance uh, out of out of the Tigers. But uh, before we get to that, we got to talk about our friends at DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook people, mutual betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet five dollars on football and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. So get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. That's code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www dot one eight hundred gambler dot net in New York call eight seven seven eight hope and y or text hope and y in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 or visit ccpg.org please play play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort twenty one plus age varies by jurisdiction void in I think Ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Mizzou Talk coming up next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, Mizzou. Mizzou beats uh, Middle Tennessee 23-19. to Mizzou Twitter was thrilled about it. Uh, saw the, the reactions there. They feel very strong. It is funny. I mean, it's like Mizzou fans seem to be so tweaked by K-State Twitter throughout the offseason here, parading around after a 40-6 to win last year. We officially recognize it as a 40-6 to win in, in Manhattan last season. Very adamant that, they, oh, you know, whatever, mid-12 and all this stuff. And then after the game, they fart out another 
I mean, just signature Eli Drinkwitz performance. He's really good at pushing these things out. And and now all of a sudden they're just right back into their like, well, oh, we're going to lose by hundred. So like, I I don't know. Mizzou fans, they're, they're going through it right now. D.Y. just wants to brag about his lock of the week on Middle Tennessee. I mean, he had that thing pegged. Okay, well, here, here you go. I'm sorry. I'll shut up, D.Y. Your, your turn. I've spiked the football. Last time I spiked the football, I I went like over on power. Hey, yeah, yeah, John, John, EY went zero and six in week one on power cat game day picks. Oh boy. Okay, (laughs) that was after spiking the football. Like I spiked the football. I got one power cat game day. I won three mall. It was a great twenty twenty two. Next week, boom, zero and six. So I won't spike it too more. But the Missouri. uh, non-cover here was one of the easiest things to see uh because and i will say this this also tells me that it indeed is their super bowl though like this is like you're getting their best shot if you're kansas state and their performance against middle tennessee is probably for me even a bigger sign of that yeah that's what i was gonna say i mean super bowl saturday in columbia this weekend biggest game in eli drinkwitz's coaching career on the docket so uh not yeah, their, their media believes that. I think. I think their fans probably believe that. I mean, some of them, although some seem pretty ticked off on social media with Drinkowitz at this point. I think they're catching on to the game here. But uh, I don't know. You know, Missouri's three and twelve against teams with a five hundred record or better the last two years in the Eli Drinkowitz era. His biggest wins eight and five South Carolina last year. That's that's their uh, top notch win at Mizzou. So. Yeah, I uh, I watched. Nobody, nobody loses. Nobody loses to Georgia better than Eli Drinkwitz. So you know he can hang his hat on that. They can hang a banner for that one. Nobody loses to Georgia better than Eli Drinkwitz. There's probably nothing. I mean, I guess beating someone like Georgia could, but in terms of what is realistic for Missouri, there's probably nothing more that can lengthen the leash for Eli Drinkwitz than a win over Kansas State this year. I would agree with that. Yeah. No, it's it's a huge game for him. They're going to be fired up. Uh, the uh, I saw Bill Connolly projects it now. Actually, the line is it's shifted a lot because of the way K State looked and the way Mizzou looked. Bill Connolly has K State now as a ten point favorite. He projects a thirty to twenty win. While the betting line, I think there was an early look at it, like K State by one. Now it's at what like three and a half or. Oh, yeah, I've been, I've seen it as high as five or five and a half. Like, in, was, you're right. That look ahead line was one. The look ahead line was one. It opened, I believe, at three or three and a half. Um, on DraftKings, and then I think when I looked at DraftKings last night, it was five now. Yeah, well, it's still going to be a very tough game. I mean, I, I don't try to overreact to their performance in week two, though I'd watched that second half, uh, was watching the game. How? The Here's my question. How? Because I wanted to, but it was on like SEC Network Plus. I didn't even know how the hell to find it. It was just ESPN3 on the Watch ESPN app. I was watching it on the computer. Uh, had like six games going that night on Saturday night, and I was locked in on the Mizzou game. Brady Cook had an hilarious fumble in the end zone for a safety. Uh, they got sacked. He got sacked four times. Missouri, actually, because it only looks at FBS opponents only, and they only played one, Missouri's 130th out of 133 FBS teams in sack rate right now. Brady Cook was sacked on 18% of his dropback attempts on Saturday. So, uh Drinkowitz is not happy with his offensive line. They have an all-SEC tackle at the left side and Jamon Foster. They have a good center in Connor Tolleson. But the other three guys, it sounds like they may be considering making some changes up front, which uh, that K-State defensive line looks pretty good, guys. So I, I would say my, my early reaction to this game is this. I would expect it to be somewhat of a low-scoring affair. Like I said, their performance against Middle Tennessee pretty much confirmed to me that this is the game that they have circled on their calendar this year. So Kansas State's getting their best shot. 
Um, Missouri's best shot offensively is not really redeeming at all, uh, in my opinion. And Drinkwitz is, you know, him being so conservative on third and fourth downs is a sign of a lack of trust on that side of the ball, particularly at quarterback that doesn't seem to have been fixed. But defensively, and this is what I'll say, when it comes to the SEC, even Missouri, the hallmark of those teams why where they are a little bit better than everybody else is their defensive front or in some cases front seven and Missouri is a good one so they are emblematic of an SEC team in that way so if they really have this game circled and they really give Kansas State their best shot uh, it's going to be maybe a little bit tougher for Kansas State to score than it was last year and what turned out to be a monsoon in Manhattan so I could see I look I think Kansas State's winning spoiler alert but I do see much lower scoring of it Brady Cook's putting up his numbers are weird. He's 31 and 40. He's completing 78% of his passes. And uh, I just assume his air yards per attempt aren't great. I haven't found that number yet, but I, I assume it's a lot of shorter throws and guys just making plays. Their running game, look, Kamani Vidal for Troy, he came into, he was rated in week one by Pro Football Focus, the number one group of five running back in the country. And then he comes into Manhattan and, you know, aside from that one big 46 yard run, I mean, that Troy team had 21 other rushes for 42 yards on actual run attempts. They finished the game. You take that away. They would actually have finished with 24 uh, yards on 27 carries, but that includes sacks. So Missouri did run the ball well against Middle Tennessee. I, Like I said, I watched the game. Middle Tennessee would have gotten the ball back with a chance to win with two minutes left, if not for a just outrageous pass interference call called on him on third and 21, where Brady Cook just threw it up and the, the refs bailed him out with the call. So... It was an uninspiring performance uh, against a Middle Tennessee team picked to finish. I, I think they were third in the preseason conference USA uh, out of nine. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, it was it was underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be a dogfight. I think like to me, it was I, I, I am not so shocked by this result at all, the, the Middle Tennessee game. I've always felt like them like you were going to they could have lost that game. I think you were going to get a, a, their best shot and a really focused Mizzou team. In fact, I was kind of glad in a, in a way that they didn't lose, but there's they still got a a hell of a wake up call there. They're going to want this. I mean, for the players on the team, you know, again, Mizzou fans can say all they want about Big 12, Mid 12, whatever, and SEC. The players on the team know that they just got their asses absolutely drilled last year. And so like that's going to be the motivating factor. Whatever conference this this team is from, uh, they're going to have revenge on their mind. It's going to be a home crowd. I assume that it will still be pretty juiced, even though Mizzou fans seem very perturbed by the Middle Tennessee game, understandably so. But it's going to be the first sellout that they've had in four years uh, in in Columbia. So this is this is the moment when we talk about how significant it is for Drinkwitz. Like the the narrative that I was seeing from the Mizzou side before that game was like, hey. They, they sold out K-State and I think a couple others. I think like the LSU game sold out too. And it was because like people were finally like, look, we've got momentum here. You just landed top five recruit overall in the country. We feel like this team is going to be better this year. This is the year they finally break through and get to eight or nine wins. And now you've already like teetered losing all of that momentum by almost losing to Middle Tennessee at home. So I feel like the importance of this game is now ratcheted up even another notch for Drinkwitz here because he's already floundering some of this momentum away two weeks into the season so like they know they need it 
I don't know what that means. If that's going to be a Drinkwitz that all of a sudden grows a pair and decides to start going in on fourth down, going forward on fourth down, fake punts, I, I don't know. But I would expect Mizzou to really throw the kitchen sink here. They're more desperate, but what I will also say, and, and it's cool that Kansas State's playing these games and, and they have Colorado on a schedule for eternity now, or not eternity, but until the next realignment phase at least. But this is what the, these regionality, regional games bring, because after the game, whoever loses, some fan base is going to be on fire. And John, I actually, I know you wanted you wanted Missouri to win because you thought that would be better for K-State. I, I actually think if Missouri had lost, the fan base would be burning things down so much that the it would have been a lackluster atmosphere on Saturday going into this game. So I, I kind of, I, I wasn't really even rooting for Missouri at this. I was kind of laughing and enjoying the spectacle of what I was watching. Uh, Eli Drinkowitz was really defiant on his decision also to not go for a fourth and one at the uh, near the 50-yard line late in the game, guys. In fact, he says in defense of that, they've got to go 83 yards because then the ball went on the 17, end quote, beginning quote. Their chances of scoring are a lot less than that at the 50, so it's the right play every time. Man, that's an inspiring quote. That's a great logic there. But what I will say is like, that's the quote you get from every head coach because, you know, 10 minutes after a game or they're not thrilled with, they hate being questioned by anyone about singular calls. I mean, I've, I've seen stuff like that from every head coach, to be quite honest. Okay, B.Y., how dare you defend Eli Drinkowitz? I'm just saying coaches will blindly say that even if they don't believe it after the game because if there's one thing a head coach hates the most, it's uh, someone like me asking him, why on earth would you do this? Um when I'm sitting up in the press box and air conditioning and they're down on the field and have been in coaching for 25 years. Well, maybe he should win more games and he'll get questioned a little less. I mean, this seems like a pretty well, simple thing here. I also just, you know, I mean, the other thing, you know, whatever, we could talk for hours about him, but he just, everything, he's supposed to be an offensive guy. And I, I agree with you. He, I don't think that he really, be, there's no way that a head coach in 2023 could legitimately believe the words that came out of his mouth there. I think he's just covering for, we have a god awful offense. Like I don't, I don't have a good quarterback. I don't have a good offense, and I'm supposed to be this offensive guy. And I'm in year what? Is this like year four, uh, year three or four for Drinkwitz? Four if you count the COVID season. Yeah, and he and he still can't figure it out. So like he's got to cover somehow. And of course that's going to make him frustrated and mad because he's he's got a really good defense. He can't figure out the offense. He still hasn't been able to. So I don't know. You know, for a guy that runs his mouth as much as he does i would expect him maybe to not be as sensitive but um he seems to be pretty sensitive he also i mean everything i hear from kansas city media unwilling to go on and do appearances like do anything with kc media like they kind of hide him like mizzou does not make him very available i just the whole operation seems very like it does not seem like a confident guy it does not seem like a guy who's confident in what the whole the whole thing is right now so that is my hope that 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 will rule today on Saturday, but like we said, it's it's going to be a Super Bowl for Mizzou. They need it pretty badly. Um, any any closing thoughts here before we wrap this one up, whether it's the Troy game, whether it's Mizzou, whatever? No, I mean, I'm just uh, excited for Saturday to get here, uh, get in and get out of Columbia. John and I will be there. DY, make sure, make sure you uh, keep an eye on us. Make sure we're safe down there. You know, I'm still, I'm still waiting to have my credential application approved at this point so i'm getting a little nervous to be quite well, you're you're affiliated with all our trash talking so they, they might just not uh you might be sitting with us maybe we'll have an extra ticket for you you can uh yeah, cover the game from the k-state section 
this is probably not the 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 correct thing to say, but this feels like the start of the football season for Kansas State. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. And it's I mean, we've talked a lot about the road schedule. Like it's going to be a on on again on paper. I think that's the caveat here. But on paper, it looks like a real you know what of a road schedule this year. And this is this is where it gets started. Like we're gonna find some things out about this team. We got they got a little taste of adversity against Troy. I'm sure there will be more. It'll be a juice crowd and uh, a team that is certainly capable of beating them. They're going to face this situation a lot this year. So I agree. We'll start to find out some real, real answers on Saturday. Looking forward to it. Making my first trip to Columbia since uh, 2004. So happy the game's here. Happy the game's scheduled. Uh, it, it should be a fun one. And, you know, we'll talk about it a lot more uh, coming up in a couple of days. So. Shout out to Holiday Distillery, Homefield, DraftKings. Appreciate everybody <laughs> who helps support our show. So make sure that you go support them as well. Um, for Nick Springer, behind the scenes. For Derek Young, for Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to 3 Mall once again. Take care, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.